and welcome back to the Kit and Krista podcast, episode 42. Say we something. After the holiday weekend, uh, as you can tell, I'm sick as can be, so we're back to recording remote. I know. You, you, you got sick, and now you sound like a completely different person. So, so, so for people that are listening on audio, I can confirm that it is indeed Kit, not some sort of imposter. I was going to say the upside of this is I, you know, I kind of sound like Kratos. More. You have to like just grunt. More. I was going to say throat noises. I'm good at <laughs> maybe, those now. Yeah, maybe instead of like us having a conversation, I can just talk and you can just grunt for the entirety of this mm. podcast. No, I'm uh, I'm propped up on cold medicine. I've got my tea. I've got my tissues. It's going to be just fine. Okay. Don't worry about me. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. Um, we are still in a Game Awards state of mind this week as we approach the event uh, ever so closely. Um, and today we're going to be telling you about a time at Nintendo when Breath of the Wild was thought to lose the Game Awards. It was yes. very strange. It was a very it, strange time. There was a wild theory going around the company that both Zelda and Mario Odyssey would would lose at the Game Awards. Uh, so you're going to get that story today. Yeah, it should be really fun, and um, we're going to look back on a pretty epic Game Awards when we were working at Nintendo. Um, As always, everything that we do here is made possible by our wonderful Patreon family. Thank you so much for all of your support. We just uh, had a great uh, monthly meetup right after the Thanksgiving holiday. You, sir, I wasn't there. were too sick to even join us, and we spent one hour talking behind your back. I was extremely concerned about this. We really had a great time. We started out with, all right, if anything you want to say about Kit now is the time, and people just let loose. Did They just they did no, not they hold didn't. back. They, no, they really just let you have it. So it was, it was fun. It was very cathartic for me. You played some you. Jackbox, I understand. Mm-hmm. And uh, we gave away some codes, some game codes. So we did. Perk of uh, joining and attending. Yeah, it was so much fun as usual. Jackbox turned out to be um, such a great game for this bigger group. Um, and yes, we we look forward to these every month. And um, we'll have a pr- probably a really fun holiday-themed one in December, which That's is right. a fun thing to look forward to. Yeah, I was bummed to miss it. You know, I, once again, I've said this before. I want to talk to the, to the fall fan club because um, it's freezing outside. I'm sick as can be. It gets dark at about 4.30. What's so great about this again? Oh, I have a pumpkin spice latte and I'm wearing <laughs> boots and I'm, I'm wearing a cozy sweater. Great. Who cares? Yeah, I know that you are not the biggest fan of fall. You had a you had a rough month. You, I think you were sick like multiple times this month, which well, is not great. The upside um, is we are now in what I think is one of the greatest stretches of the year. From Thanksgiving to New Christmas, Year's. Yeah. Oh, to New Year's. Yeah. Which uh, we have deemed Super Holiday 64. Exactly. Is the name of that stretch of time. Yes. Yes. People are in a good mood. Um, there's a little holiday cheer going around. Yes, exactly. If you're, it, you, you made a great point of, you know, if you're working, you've reached the point where you can say, let's get to this after the holidays. Yeah. And my I was favorite line ever is, Let's talk about this after the holidays, and you hope that the other person forgets about it right. after the holidays, and you don't have to do anything. That is the just push it out, push it out, push it out, and then I think by like December, mid December, everyone is really winding down, and 
anyone that's like been annoying to you, you know, at work, maybe they'll just like chill out a little bit around this time, which is always a nice welcome. And yeah, we both um, decorated our houses for Christmas over the weekend. And it's nice to have all the festive decorations up. But you were saying that it gets dark so early that having a little, um, some extra lights, you know, from a Christmas tree or from some yeah. holiday decorations is actually you need it. Um, really nice. Yeah, it's actually very, very cheerful. And um, we were going to go back to the studio today to decorate the studio and have our holiday set up. But um We'll do that when you're better. And we soon have, enough, we have you know what can't of- get you know what can't get pushed out past the holidays is this podcast. That's right. Rain or shine, it's going to happen. Sick or not, listen. Got Michael, it out. Michael Jordan had his iconic flu game. If he, I can have <gasps> oh my, my iconic phlegm podcast. Okay. Ew. Michael I'm Jordan sorry. and I have a lot in common. Sure you, you know do. that. You know that. Sure you do. Yeah. I apologize in advance to everyone who has to suffer through this. The sub some subwoofers are getting blown out right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just grunt. All you have to do is Ugh, grunt. <laughs> now, you're wearing a great uh holiday sweater, one of the old Nintendo holiday sweaters, of which we have many. Uh but we should say we now have our own holiday merch, which Dare uh, I, I say I'm waiting to receive myself. Where Dare is it? Dare I say, it, I think is better than the Nintendo merch. I think so. But where is it? Well, I have ordered our samples. They are hopefully arriving soon, um, and then we'll be we'll be wearing them all season long. Festive season will be will be great in in our new holiday merch. We have two versions. One is like this cute little holiday wreath, and one is um, us with little Santa hats on. Yes, it's very cute. Wonderful, available now from our merch shop. Yeah. Um, in addition to this podcast, something you all can look forward to is the long, 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 long-awaited Nuzlocke that we will be doing. We're nuzzing and locking, finally. Um, we first Don't tell all, the cops. Do not um, tell the cops. Yes, keep it. No snitching. DL. Don't rat us out to the ninjas. But we're finally able to do this Nuzlocke video. We've been trying to figure it all out with Scarlet and Violet. And yeah, we're, I think we're ready. I think we understand the rules. Hopefully, um, hopefully you will be better. Um, sickness wise, maybe the Nuzlocke video. Will yeah. We're not doing you. that today. No, no. Send you the healing vibes. Um, but we're excited about it and hopefully it'll be a fun time. This is our first time, obviously, ever doing it. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, that'll be out a few days from now. That's our uh, next Super Kitten Krista 64 video. Yes. Um, and one of the things that I think we teased before, uh, we got our hands on some play dates recently. Yes. And uh, an unboxing for that is going to be happening extremely soon. Yes. Super excited about this. I have waited literally years you got lucky and just got I one. I did. And I waited literally two years to get it. And it's it's still in a box right now because I wanted to wait until we can unbox them together before I can even play I'm with gonna, it. So turn the tiny crank. It's gonna be so fun. I'm excited yeah. about it. Yes. Play dates. Yeah. So a lot of fun stuff uh, to look forward to. You know what else I'm excited about? What? This episode is brought to you by stamps.com. Woohoo! Very excited about stamps.com. We have been using stamps.com like 
crazy. Devoted users. Oh my gosh. Devoted, especially right now around the holidays. It's very busy out next, you know, at the post office. People are rushing around trying to get all their shipping done. We have the small business now and we are using stamps.com all the time to ship, you know, prizes and other things to our wonderful Patreon family. And it's so easy. Basically, you just print it out at home and drop it off and it just saves so much time, which is very much needed around the holiday season. Yes, the weather is bad. It can take a long time to get to the post office. Once you get there, you got to wait a long time. There's somebody who's got some weird story where they don't know what's going on. It takes forever. Cut all of that out with stamps.com. It's perfect. Exactly. It is very much, um, much needed right now. I will read it because your voice is dead. Oh, but I have the radio voice. All right, fine. All right. This holiday season, trade late nights for silent nights and get started with stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code Kit and Krista for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code Kit and Krista. I will put everything in the description. Yes, definitely try this out. If you're doing any sort of shipping around the holiday season, this will save your life. Love it. All right. All right. We're on to the big story here. Yes. Game story Awards time today. 2017. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of 2017, we were really riding high at Nintendo because oh, yeah. we had launched the Switch. Mm-hmm. It was a hit. It was sold out. Um, we had launched what I still maintain is the best individual year of software ever. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, multiple, multiple hit games, critical acclaim, you name it. So it was like, well, we can do no wrong here. You know, we, we've got this down. We're in a groove. So we were very excited when the nominees for the Game Awards came out because for the first time, it was like, well, it's not just family game this time. Yeah. We're going for the big one, Jeff Keeley. We were going for the big ones. And it was amazing that both Breath of the Wild and Super Mario Odyssey were nominated for Game of the, game of the Year. Right, right. Yeah, they both got the nomination. So all of the nominees were so Breath of the Wild, Super Mario Odyssey, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, Horizon Zero Dawn, and Persona 5 were the nominees. Um and you know, once we found out that we were nominated, things really kicked into high gear because Jeff had this thing where he wanted to do sort of a, a fun segment for all of the nominated games. And we started to learn about this big contingent from Japan who was going to be coming over. Yeah. That was really interesting because Japan is kind of hot and cold on the game awards. Like some years they're like super gun ho about it and they really want to participate. They're excited about, you know, sharing announcements or even coming to attend. And then some years it's like a total 180 where they're like, we don't like this. We don't want to do it. We want nothing to do with this. Don't ask us about the Game Awards. So you never know sort of what mood they're going to be in. Right. And this was by far sort of the most unusual year of just like pure excitement and just this want and desire for all of them to sort of celebrate almost. And and I think this kind of goes back to what you were saying before is like people were riding 
high at this point. Like it was just like, we are on the top of the hill, you know, both these games um, have come out to just like the highest acclaim, like all year long has been this like tremendous success for all things Nintendo and Nintendo Switch and all the games that came with it. So it was a weird moment of like, people were not feeling humble. <laughs> Usually Nintendo is like very humble and very like, oh, you know, we can't even say the word success. Like, don't look at us. But now it's like, look at us. We're awesome. Um, and people wanted to like, they wanted to be there and they wanted to like, you know, get the critical acclaim. So right. it was a very different mood. Um, and I liked it. It was, it was cool. So the international guest list, travelers included... Mr. Aonuma and Mr. Fujibayashi for Breath mm-hmm. of the Wild. Yes. Mr. Koizumi and Mr. Mm-hmm. Motokura for yes. Mario Odyssey. Because mm-hmm. both were both of those games nominated for Best Direction? Did yes, those, I believe so. Yeah, Mr. Fujibayashi yeah. was the director. Mr. Motokura was the director for mm-hmm. Mario. So they, they both had to be there. Um, Mr. Takahashi, yes. who not a lot of people may know who he is, but he is the head of all He's development. Like the big boss. At Nintendo. Yeah. He is a huge um figure um he was coming and he doesn't make a lot of trips like this so this was a big no. deal yeah also super big deal. um our head of global marketing came which was unusual um his tight his job title is not the head of global marketing but that's pretty much what he is that's what he does though yeah yeah, yeah. he makes like final decisions on on marketing yeah, things. on pretty much everything yeah and you know in addition to those group of people, you know, other people there to help facilitate things. So it was like a massive, yeah. like, like, I don't know, like 10, 12 people. I think it was like Japan, right. Over 10 people, you know, there there's translators too, um, on the J- Japan side and people on the, um, on the J- Japanese PR team coming over. Um, and then of course you add that onto the Nintendo of America side. We got this, we were rolling deep with this crew so <laughs> coming to the TGAs. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a group of like, I don't know, 20 to 30 people. It was like 30. Just people. from Nintendo. Because I, I mean, and there was a good reason because we were nominated for all these things. Um, so, you know, we were very hopeful about the nominations, but we had to get to work on these kind of big segments that we did honoring the nominees um, so I was in charge. This was the year that I was in charge of all the Breath of the Wild marketing. So mm-hmm. I, I sort of took on that side of things. And you took on the Mario Odyssey side of right. things, which was a great way to, to split things up. Yes. It was like, it was like you know, it was like a, a covert ops mission. It's like, we got, we got Alpha Team and we got, we got Delta Team. I know, and totally. We're, we're going and on a mission. Like everybody had their own contingent, like the Mario Odyssey team. We had our own developers. Like I was closely working with Mr. Kazumi right. and Mr. Motokura with our own translators and our own contingent from the Nintendo Treehouse. And then you had the same sort of mirror copy, but with different developers for Breath of the Wild. Right. Like, it was crazy because we were doing the same thing on like parallel paths, but there were also like some differences for the two different games. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was kind of a wild like planning period for sure. So the idea for Zelda was Mr. Aonuma would come out on stage in the champion's tunic, the blue outfit from the game. And there would be a, a master sword just by itself on stage, like sticking out of a rock or something. And he would pull it out. And then all these different spotlights, um, matching what the divine beasts do in the game once you've defeated them 
they would all converge on him and it would, and there would be this buildup of music and visuals. And it was kind of a high concept thing, but I was really glad that we were working directly with Jeff on that because I, I got the feeling that he got it immediately. And again, you know, we talk about how much Jeff Keeley does for this show like he is involved in yeah. the nitty gritty of, of everything. And he was in, I mean, incredibly involved in this. So I, if it was somebody else, I would have been nervous that they really understood it because we obviously couldn't rehearse it. We could only plan it so much until we got there. Right. Um, but, but I felt like we were in good hands. Yeah. He's so amazingly involved in everything. I don't know how he has the time to do it, honestly, because he's just like on every call. He's with you during you know, as much rehearsals as, as we're able to get, like 30 people from Nintendo is just probably calling and emailing and texting him like all hours of the day and night and he has to deal with it. It's kind of incredible, honestly. But yeah, the Breath of the Wild moment was was really cool. And it, it again, it kind of um, just kind of brings back to the earlier um, point we we're trying to make that people wanted to have like a spectacle. Like Nintendo was really in a rare moment, um, wanting that spotlight, um, for the first time in a, in a long time. So it was kind of cool to, um, to sort of be there when the company was in this mindset for, for our Odyssey, um, we had sort of a, a different, um, stage moment. Um, and the idea was for Mr. Koizumi to be the one to accept the award. And he was going to put on like the red, Mario jacket that he's been wearing for Nintendo Directs and for like other um, presentations that he had been in. And then there was this idea to do like a cappy toss. Someone was going to like toss the cappy from um, like backstage to him on stage. And we were like practicing tossing this cappy <laughs> like a Frisbee, which was very strange. And it's like, hopefully he catches this thing. Cause if not, then that's going to look really weird and strange. Um, and, uh, and obviously there was going to be, you know, a moment with the Jump Up Superstar uh, music. Well, they performed it. And they performed it, yeah. Yeah, with the this, original singer. The original singer came out and performed it wearing the dress from the um, commercials. Which you now have for some reason. I don't have any. I gave it to her. She has <sighs> it now. Yeah. She has wow. It now. Yeah. Okay. Rightful owner, I think, for the dress. Um, yeah. Now you sort of yeah. underplayed, you sort of underplayed that red jacket. So that red jacket <laughs> travels in a special garment bag. It does, yeah. It has a special name that is written in big letters on the garment bag. It says PR, <laughs> PR Magic. PR Magic. <laughs> I don't know who did that. I don't know who came up with that name. It's funny. Uh, but they're a genius. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was a real – it's like Mario Red, like blazer with yeah. kind of like, like yellowish, like – it wasn't like gold buttons. It was like yellow. Yeah, it was like Mario yellow. Mario like Mario's like overall mm-hmm, yellow. Buttons. Yeah, it was like um, special, specially made for him. And he wore that, you know, when he was promoting um, Mario Odyssey. So it was interesting how like the costume played a big part in their yeah. presence at the show. I, and there was a special way we were going to sit. Um, so Mr. Koizumi was going to sit right in front of me. So I was one row behind him, basically. And my job was to take the PR magic jacket out of the bag for him to like, so like we would, if he won, right? If Mario Odyssey won, he would stand up and then I would help him put the jacket on 
and then he was going to go on stage because he didn't want to wear the jacket the whole time. Of that's course. Just, that's a little bit like tacky. Yeah. Like you'd only wear it if you were going on stage to accept right. the award. It's like putting a so, crown on. Yeah, you're not wearing the crown like right. the whole time, right? So there was like a coordinated sort of costuming, cha- like quick change kind of situation that was like planned out for all of us. The other really funny thing that um, had to do with like clothes and costumes that I remember from this was actually related to Breath of the Wild. And everybody wanted, so Mr. Anu was going to wear the champion's tunic, but everybody else on the Breath of the Wild team, like Mr. Uh, Mr. Fujibayashi, they wanted some element of Breath of the Wild as well. Um, and we were trying to think of like, what is a subtle way for them to have something that isn't like, that doesn't look like cosplay basically. And I think we landed on, we had these like random scarves um, for Breath of the Wild. And I had to like literally turn one of the conference rooms we were in into like a, like a fashion studio. And we were like cutting pocket squares out of the scarves. It was ridiculous. So we had like one scarf, we cut them into pocket squares. And then we were like Googling like how to fold a pocket square. And so all of them had these like DIY pocket squares um, that was made from like this Breath of the Wild scarf. It was like a, the, the blue color. So it was pretty iconic. But like uh, Mr. Fujibayashi had one. And also the translator that was going to go on stage to translate for them had one. So who would have thought that I would be like Project Runway, like in the conference room leading up to the TGAs making pocket squares. But there you go. So, yeah, we'd been planning furiously for weeks. The nominations were out. We had this huge contingent um, coming from Japan. At sort of a late moment, though, there was a big moment of doubt that started to creep up. And there was one person who put out this theory that really got people shook. And it was, you know, we probably have the two best games out of that list. And something that could happen and may be likely to happen is that Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild will split the vote, (laughs) meaning some other game that is less deserving could get more votes and actually win. And people got worked up over this like catastrophic scenario. There was mass panic. I had never seen something that was such a, that was from like a high to a low like that before. Again, right before this theory was put out there, people riding high, making pocket squares, we're feeling good. Spe- we we're writing speeches, acceptance speeches, like oh, we're practicing, like, you know, all those, those big moments and really focused on, yeah, like one of these games is going to win, you know? Um, and that was like the mentality. And then when this theory got introduced, it was like this crash of emotions people were like it was like panic like literal panic so the so the game people thought would be the winner is horizon they thought these games are going to split and horizon will win we'll take it yeah um for the record i never bought onto this theory can you vouch for me no you can vouch for me too i was both of us were like what is happening like what are you talking about this is a ridiculous 
theory like that has no grounds at all. You know, it was a classic to- Nintendo move of like trying to find something negative in something that like was exactly. entirely positive. Also, um, this person is known to be like a Debbie Downer, I would say, and like just likes to stir the pot in sort of a weird way. And it was totally like unnecessary to introduce this and cause people to have these seeds of doubt growing, you know, as we were gearing up for the show. But I was surprised at how much that theory caught on and how worried people were about it. Yeah. Um, So everybody arrives, you know, we do a quick tour of the venue. I really remember vividly this sort of late meeting that we had to kind of go through the plan for the trip, go through all the details. And we had all of that Japan group there. So we were at our PR agency's office in downtown LA yeah, in their biggest conference room. And we had packed the place and something that always people get hung up on with the game awards is these acceptance speeches. Oh my gosh. Always. It's like the amount of hours that go into writing these like two sentence things is would blow your mind. Yeah. This is so not what any other company does, but Nintendo for sure. Like there was, there has already been like, Months spent on these. Right. We'd already been talking about it for weeks. It already been rewritten thousands of times. It's like every scenario. Version 77 already. It's like, oh, who's going to do it in this case? Or for this award, who would do it? Right. Um, So we get there and it's like, we got to start over on all these again. And I'm just like shaking my head. I do remember we did all of the Zelda stuff first. Yeah. And it was clear, like, again, you were you were busy, like, putting a PR magic jacket onto Mr. Koizumi. I, <laughs> I put out the idea of, like, could we go? Could the Zelda team go? Because we need to go to bed. It's getting late. It was these really are, late. These guys are tired. Could we go? And we, we got dismissed, fortunately. You did. Um, it, you guys got dismissed around, like, 8, I think. Right. We were there until, like, midnight. It was really late. It yeah. was late. It was really So I, I lucked out. Yeah. yeah, you guys went first. We went second. Um, there was so much like it was just ridiculous. Not only were we writing speeches, we we're like putting a jacket on, we we're like tossing a cappy. It Let's was dissect some minutia, people. Yeah, Let's go. Yes, exactly. And it's just, and then I think it was because people were also panicked about this vote split. Yeah, there were that some. They nerves. were trying to busy themselves with something else, right? Um, to not think about it because they were so like. They're really shook from it the night before, you know? And I was like, this is all this person's fault. I was really upset. Like, it was so late. I was so tired. I made so many pocket squares that day. <laughs> I was so over it. I was like, I need to go to bed. This is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, people would definitely, I, I feel like it was like a very, it was like an emotional roller coaster because we started on a high. And then as the days sort of ticked closer, it really got to a point where we, I, I sort of felt like, we just need to get there and get this over with because people are trying to lose their minds. Yeah. Like they're really trying to lose it. But that day we had also done our sort of like little dress rehearsal at the show and that went well. And it's so interesting to see kind of the game awards the day before. Yeah. It is very chaotic. Um, if you are expecting things to follow like a set schedule, you really just need Don't to roll bother. with it because a, it's not your show yeah. and B, they have a lot to figure out and work out. So you can't like get in the way. So if right. they're like, well, we need to, we need to wait another 30 minutes. You just have to wait. Or if they're like, we only have five minutes to practice this thing. It's like, well, we just got to make it work. Exactly. Um, 
but we rehearsed all of our kind of special things and all the developers were feeling really good about it and it was all looking good. So, you know, aside from the nerves, I think going into the day of the event, we, you know, we felt okay about all the stuff we were going to do. Right, right. Definitely a lot of pieces of production that needed to be done, um, very similar to other game awards that we've planned in the past. But this one, obviously, there were just more things happening because of the two games. Um, but yeah, like you kind of get used to the first time you, you, I think we work on game awards. It's like a surprise that nothing is on time and the day before is so chaotic and you're just feeling stressed. But like, once you do a couple of them, you're like, okay, this is just the way it is. You know, um, that's kind of how we were feeling. And, and there was definitely a, a, a group of us that have done multiple game awards in the past. So we could like tell the developers, like, don't worry, you know, this is kind of how it is. And, kind of put their minds at ease if they were feeling stressed out about the schedule and stuff like that. There was one other black cloud, which was hanging over our heads though, which is again, another big to do is the plan for what are we all doing after the game awards? Oh, the dinner plan. <laughs> it's like, is there some sort of a group dinner? Where's it going to be? There's what so time? many people too. We had so many people and it was kind of put upon actually some of the higher ups on our team. They were like, well, you, you know, Kit and Chris are so busy working on this. We'll take this on. And the decision, <laughs> which baffles me to this day. It was terrible. Was that we were going to go to a steakhouse, but we would have, quote, heavy apps. Heavy apps. What the heck is a heavy app? It's not a wedding. It's not dinner. Yeah, it was so weird. Like, why can't we just have dinner? It's like pastel drinks. It's like I'm gonna I'm gonna stand, I'll be standing up like over a trash can eating like a shrimp or cocktail or something. You're gonna eat like a mushroom cup at like 1045 after you and haven't eaten all it's day. It's so late. You're so tired, you're so spent. It's like I just need like some real food in me. So yeah. this was a highly controversial decision that really only you and I seem to be picking at. I was like, are you sure that's gonna be good? Yeah. Are you sure the team from Japan's gonna be down with that? Like, are they going to be hungry? People are going to be, like, tired and cranky and hungry. And also, yeah. not to mention, one t- one person is going to lose that, too. Don't forget. At least one. Maybe at both. Least, maybe both if, if Horizon wins because the vote's been split. So at least one will lose, if not both. And what is the mood going to be like if that happens? And you're going to give them a, a mushroom slider cup? smashed into your face. <laughs> you get a grilled cheese right in the old kisser. Um... But yeah, I mean, this is a ter- this is a bad idea. And you know, you and I are both very like food conscious. Like we I get hungry, always okay. I I care about these people. I want them not to be hungry before they go to bed. I want them to have like real meals and not just be working nonstop. You know, and then eating like a again, yeah, eating like a heavy app, whatever that is, and yeah. then being on their way. So it so was so it was baffling because we would usually go to a proper dinner. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know why they changed it up for yeah. this. I was it like, was are, so we, are, are we poor now? Like, what, what's the deal? We got we got all the all the VIPs from Japan. We can't cheap out now. What's the problem? I know it was very know. strange. Um, so we go to bed. Day of the event, we get there. Um, what was your impression of the event once it got going? Well, once it gets going, you just kind of you're just on a moving train. Like you just sit there and you just wait. You know, and obviously it's a long show um, and and there's categories, other categories that Nintendo was nominated in. 
um, and moments to look forward to, like the Mario Odyssey performance. But you're just sort of like anticipating the end, really, when you, right. especially for this year, where you're like, what's it going to be? You know, um, I, I did get the feeling that as the show went on, a lot of the other categories that these games were nominated in. Um, didn't these games didn't win right like there was sort of a a long stretch of a few hours where nintendo didn't win a lot of stuff some of the early on awards right yeah um and i feel like that made made people a little antsy honestly like they were feeling like you know does this mean something for later like what what is this you know what is this kind of leading to um so the mood was i would say like it started out like pretty okay but started to kind of dwindle towards the end where it was people were feeling a little bit like what's you know what's gonna happen yeah but the sort of performances were going well yeah my thing with mr onuma went well we had sort of some weird hiccups backstage where like the person who was our contact was nowhere to be found so these are the things that happen with a live production right exactly but it ended up being really cool um, the the musical performance for Jump Up Superstar was really cool. Yeah, really. Although cool. later on, there was some suggestion like, was that yes. li- was that lip synced? I'm like, no. What are you talking about? They're like, it's too good. It sounded too good. It must be lip synced. I'm like, uh, okay. If you want to believe, press that. and play on a VHS tape. Is that from, seriously? From, what is this? This is not like a Sony Walkman or something. Like it was very strange how like no matter what, there's always these like. Things to make it feel less good afterwards. <laughs> right, right. So we're getting late into the night. Uh, they do game direction and then game of the year. Yeah. And we got game direction for Zelda. And Mr. Fujibashi and Mr. Anuma went up. And that was when I knew. I was like, all right, they, we got this in the bag. Yeah. If, they, if the game direction and game of the year is usually the same game. It's usually so. pretty locked up. Yeah. Um, and you could tell, like, those two were so pumped like it was, it was hard to tell for a while. Like, do they care about this award? Like, they care in Japan. Like, do they do they really even know what this is? Does this mean anything to them? But you could tell right. in that moment, like, they were super into this. Yeah, and his they, reaction was like, yeah, they hard. wanted they wanted Game of the Year. So we, they come back. You know, there's a bit of a break, and Jeff, you know, has this great build up for the Game of the Year. As always, um, announces it, and it's Breath of the Wild, and um, like Mr. Anuma was just elated he was he was still in like the the champion's tunic by by the by right right (laughs) so he was dressed like link pretty much (laughs) and like you were sitting behind mr koizumi i was sitting behind mr aonuma yeah and i was one of the first people he hugged which was a a surprise to me yeah Uh, i think he he turned around and just started like hugging people i think he would have hugged anybody (laughs) but um he was so happy and so excited you could kind of feel like a sense of relief yeah even though this game had come out it had been this huge hit it had sold so much like this was kind of a culmination of the year for him i think so and validation i think too right right that this is what this show i think does do really well is it gives you sort of like a physical way to feel validated for right. the work that you've done. And I think that's really cool. And he, certainly you saw that with Mr. Onuma's reaction and he just, yeah, he was like smiling from ear to ear and 
like we had taken up like pretty much the entire front, like four rows with our huge contingent of Nintendo people. And everyone was like cheering and yeah. super, super happy. And he runs up stage uh, onto the stage and, and um, accepts the award. And yeah, you can just tell that he's just over the moon and it's awesome. And, and you see. could tell from the people in the building, like they felt that that was the deserving game to yeah, win. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It was not like, oh gosh, Horizon should have got it. It's like, nope, nobody felt that way. Right. Everybody was like, this is the game that we all agree. Yeah, what was the what was the reaction from the Mario Odyssey team? Was was like Mr. Koizumi like stone faced, just like snapping a pencil in his seat? <laughs> this is like that thing where they make actors practice. Like you have to look um you know pretend like, to look excited or happy. Pretend for the, to look for the happy winner. for the winner, right? Like, oh, but inside you're like dying. Yeah. You can definitely tell there was disappointment, but also I don't think that he ever thought that he could that that Mario Odyssey would be Breath of the Wild. Oh, really? I really felt like there was sort of this underlining like acceptance that if a game was going to win, then it was going to be Breath of the Wild. Um obviously he would have been extremely happy, I think, if Mario Odyssey won. Um, the other thing to note about Mr. Koizumi, which I think kind of helped with his general like mood and reaction is that he was not just the, the producer on Mario Odyssey. He was the overall producer on Nintendo switch. Right. So he was like, indirectly, he also won my hardware major game one. So I don't care, you know? (laughs) So, um, so yeah, exactly. So he was sort of like Mr. Big Shot anyway, (laughs) with the PR magic jacket, um, magic hands on that switch joy-con whatever so um so i think he he felt like pretty pretty okay like generally yeah 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 so the show wraps up everybody is pumped we go to eat some heavy apps (laughs) Um, we are starving (laughs) and it is like a true like party feeling it, like it, like I always imagine, like those like oh, yeah. Oscars after parties. That was pe- what this was. Where it's like people, you know, got a like got a tie around their head. They're just like, oh this, my god, this was what it was like. People like, let loose, pure joy. Yeah, from everybody there. The, the champagne, champagne was flowing. Was flowing. <laughs> people said. No to these heavy everybody just ordered giant steaks. Yeah, people were like, give me the, the most give, expensive. Give me the steak tomahawk, give me the wagyu, give me the whatever. Yeah. Um, so I was glad that the heavy apps did not ruin the night. Yeah, exactly. Did I have anything to eat that night? I kind of don't think I Absolutely. did. Absolutely. Did I eat the heavy I apps? hope you I did. My gosh. I feel like me and one other person that was our one of our close um like close coworkers in Japan. Him and I went like crazy on the dessert table because he was like, I have a huge, do you know that I have a huge sweet tooth? And I was like, oh, nice. And we like literally ate like one of every, like multiples of every single dessert. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, it was really fun. Yeah. So that was absolutely like the most joyous I had ever seen some of those people from Japan. Yeah. Certainly Mr. Aonuma, Mr. Fujibayashi, they just like let loose and were just so happy and so relieved. Yeah, totally. Um, and so like well-deserved, uh, well-deserving and just like what a mo- way to sort of end this incredible year of these amazing games on Nintendo Switch. And then like later on, this this was really the beginning of, um, awards for Breath of the Wild because after the Game Awards, um, it was like nonstop. Like I think that game won how many 
Game of the Year awards oh, afterwards, like we lost over yeah. like over fifty, something right. crazy. Yeah, so it was just like every couple of weeks, another Game Award would come in, another Game of the Year award would come in. Yes. It was just incredible. So we we made sure Mr. Anuma and the team got back to the hotel safely. Uh, <laughs> I have a great photo of he and I in embrace uh, that I will never be sharing with the world. I have one that of him. Of, of him and I also it, it, right after the game awards and he looked, he looks very happy. I will share that photo. I have a, I've shared it before. So right, right, right. Um, I woke up the next morning to a phone call from my mother saying that my father had passed away. Yeah. Um, so you talk about going from the highest of the highs to the lowest of the lows. Yeah. And that's never a you know phone call that you can prepare yourself for. Um, so I was definitely really shaken in that moment, but I let my boss know, and this was really where like the best parts of Nintendo really kicked in because Reggie got involved and Reggie called me and obviously, you know, in, a, in addition to just expressing his sympathy, it was, you know, my personal assistant's going to be in touch with you right now. We're going to get you on the first flight back. Do not worry about whatever you had to do because we still had like another day of stuff that the team was doing. Right. Like, do not worry about that at all. The team will cover it. You take as much time as you need to, you know, be with your family and and work through all of this. So I really, really appreciated, you know, Reggie and, and the entire company sort of, you know, having my back in that moment and, and helping yeah. me through that because that was um, really obviously very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I, I, I don't, you know, share that story to like put a downer on the store on, you know, what this was, but like, that's, that's what the experience was for me. Yeah. So it was definitely unforgettable for again, the highest high and, and the lowest low that you could yeah. experience. So, yeah. yeah, but, um, yeah, the team stuck around for a little bit longer and, uh, everybody went back and, uh, wow. What, what a game awards. Yeah, what a year! What a game awards! Um, yeah, yeah, what way a to cap it off. Really, just incredible, yeah. incredible, like emotional roller coaster for twenty seventeen for sure. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, and we're gonna be at the game awards next week. Uh, obviously, we're not gonna be hogging the game of the year winner, but uh, we're gonna have a good time. Corey Barlog, get in these arms. Just kidding. Whoa. <laughs> bring me, are you going to bring the axe? Can we get that through security? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> um, we did a poll with our Patreon subscribers. I went through all of the game, all of the uh, game of the year nominees. Yeah. And it's really amazing, like some of the games that were nominated but d- didn't win. Right. So right. We, we asked the question of the following titles, which were nominated for game of the year at the game awards but did not win which was most deserving of this prestigious honor. Mm -hmm. And the choices were Persona 5, Animal Crossing New Horizons, Red Dead Redemption 2, Super Mario Odyssey, Bloodborne, or Hades. Yeah. And uh, this was so fascinating because Animal Crossing was the winner Mm -hmm. with over 40% of the vote. But there was really a lot of debate in the comments over how deserving that game was. Yeah. Why don't, you, why don't you read through some of the comments we got? Yeah, yeah. So the first one's from Riven. 
Um, and, and Riven says, I feel like the enormous cultural impact of Animal Crossing should have secured, a, secured it a slot. It brought enormous number of people together or into gaming or back into gaming at a time when hanging out simply wasn't possible. It was really a worldwide cultural phenomenon and social hub in the first year of the global COVID-19 pandemic. Very well said. I, 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 I would have voted for Animal Crossing here as well. You know, the, what won was Last of Us Part 2. Yeah. And it was kind of like, well, you're choosing kind of like the light or the dark side of humanity. And it was one of those things where it's like we were already in such a downer year. I know. Like, to choose this downer game. It was actually a game I skipped because I could not mentally Me and, too. and like emotionally right. support playing this game in, in yeah. the time that we were in. So it's so true. You know, another one, like Persona 5 has just, you know, we were worried about Horizon. Maybe we should have been worried about Persona 5. I know. Um, I mean, that game, that's been like a game that people still talk about, like almost at the Zelda level five years later. So good. Um, and then Hades, kind the of like Zelda, darling. that won so many, that won like almost every other game of the year, except for the Game Awards. Exactly. That was really amazing um so it's fun to go back and see like what did or didn't win like i feel like red dead redemption was really a darling and what people expected to win but god of war um won that year it's fun to go back and look that one is is a little bit more i think palatable because god of war um is such like a juggernaut of a game that year so versus it being um last of us animal crossing because it's true animal crossing while it's not a traditional game of the year winner, it should have been, I think the cultural phenomenon part of it should definitely have been taken into consideration. Okay, more comments from our wonderful Patreon family here. Kiss My Flopjack says, voted for Super Mario Odyssey. New Horizons was a good game, but it shouldn't get credit uh, for the timing which it came out. It was pretty bare bones upon release and a lot of content was patched in later. That point that's an about interesting point, yeah, shouldn't get the credit for the timing in which it came out. That's an interesting point. Yeah, I, I, I imagine most voters have different feelings about that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have different feelings because, like, that is when it came out. It's hard to right. separate the two, but, but I, I can respect that point of view. Yeah, I, I think the development team actually had a lot of struggle with that exact kind of question yeah. of did my game do well because it's a good game, or did my right. game do well because we got lucky quote um for the timing and and that i think is if you develop that game i i feel like that is going to be hard to grapple with so it's a very interesting point for sure yeah um ent clark says i wouldn't have picked any of these over the actual winner for that year there are however other games i would have picked control for 2019 great game and uncharted 4 for 2016 for example Last year's winner was a te- was terrible, in my opinion. Metro Dread all the way. Yeah, last year was It Takes Two. Oh. Uh, a bit baffling to both of us who have played this game and didn't, yeah. didn't totally love it. Um, <laughs> and we love co-op games and we both were like, the story is very strange yeah, and dark. Yeah. Um, but yes. uh, I think this year... We're going to get back on track with some really, some really well, great winners and yeah. uh, some great honors. Yeah, this, so, this year we have some some big. The biggins are are in this year, so we'd yeah. like to to see them battle it out. Maybe they'll split the vote and none of them will win. <laughs> it's a it's a six way tie, right? <laughs> it's a You're six. all winners. 
You just get a it's participation like Elden, trophy. Elden Ring and God of War Ragnarok splits the vote, and then Xenoblade Chronicles 3 wins. Oh. Or stray, no, stray wins. Stray, oh, stray wins. Oh, I would be okay with that. I would, I would be upset if that happened. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, I saw God. Jeff Keighley tweeting. He's like, do you want to see the stray cat on the red carpet? Uh, yeah. He listens to the podcast. We know that. You know who I want to hug if, if stray wins? The cat. <laughs> Keep the axe away from the cat, please. Give me this cat. <laughs> oh my gosh, so funny. Well, that was our look back at the Game Awards. And uh, up next, we have what we're playing. We finally got a chance to play Pokemon Scarlet and Violet co op mode. Let me tell you something it was extremely disappointing. Yeah. Why? We both had really high hopes for this, and they were so vague in how they talked about it. And I'd seen some really positive, like, anecdotes from people and, like, stories um, around the internet about how the co-op mode was, like, one of the few things that really worked well in this game. But, I, yeah, it was disappointing that we were in the same game world but that was kind of the extent of all you could do together. Yeah. Can you even call it co-op when you're not really working together to do anything? You're just existing in this world together? Like, I we mean, tried a couple of things. Yeah, because yeah. we were what we were wondering, like, well, if we do this, maybe we can do it together. If we do that, we can do it together. Right. It does seem, you know, it's more of like a, a casual hangout sort of thing where, you know, you might all get on, like you know, a discord or something and, and just talking, you'd be like, Oh, over here, there's this Pokemon. You should go and get it, but you're not doing it together. So right. some of the point of that is diminished. Right. I, I can, I can watch you catch, you know, in battle. Um, we did go try to go into like a gym together to see if it means you could like do the, do the event together at, like as a, you know, as a pair, but you're just in there separately. Um, so I'm not sure if there's really a point to doing anything co-op unless you're just wanting to, yeah, have, have something to do while you like talk on the phone with somebody. Um, right. Which is fine. I guess if it's, if you prefer to do that and, and that so that you can kind of experience it the same time as somebody, um, but you're just really doing your own thing, I guess that could be fun. But I, I really was like, a little bit. I was disappointed for sure because I was like looking forward to this and playing with you and we both like noped out of it 20 minutes in and we're like, we're going to go play God of War. See you later. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> so that was our night last night. And that's really like, I, I I sort of have put that game on the back burner a little bit because you you zoomed ahead of me in God of War and you've been teasing me about it. So I've been, oh, yeah. I've been focusing on playing that mostly. I know. I've been playing like um, a little bit during the day and saving God of War for like my dedicated like after dinner gameplay sessions. So, you know, I've done a couple more of the of the things like I, I did like the second of the, um, the the legends path, I think, where you gather the herbs um, and, and it continues to be good. Like the game is really good. It's really fun. Um, you know, I, I don't I'm not like. I'm not like this is a terrible game. I, I really dislike it at all. Like, I think it's a good game. I think it's fun. Um, you know, but I, I'm still not feeling the the sparkle. All right. After, after hours of, you know, sort of many hours of. That's game. fair. 
I will be going back to it. It's not like I'm putting it down for good. I, right. I, I really liked what I had played and um, I want to get back to it, but I feel like God of War is something I can just, you know, crank, crank out and, and have a bit more time for um, Pokemon once we get into December. Yeah. I think I'll definitely try to finish like at least one of the three paths. Um, and I'm def I'm more interested in the non like traditional gym battle ones. Um, so I've done like one, uh, one of each so far, but I think I do like the legends path the best so far. So I've been focusing on that. Um, and it's, it's been, it's been really fun. Um, so I'll probably keep going like at least down that path and see what the end of that, um, is like, but, uh, yeah, I'm definitely not going to like stop playing, um, Pokemon, but it, it certainly isn't. Like, I'll bet you do. You're not going to, you're not going to finish. This you don't game. think so? At least no. one path. You don't think I'm going to finish no. one path? Oh, you a. seem very lukewarm. I'm not lukewarm. I feel like it, it's. I feel like it's. It's fun, but it's not like I'm not like thinking about this game like when I'm not playing it. You know what I mean? Like there's games that I think about a lot when I'm not playing it. God of War was is definitely one of them right now. Um, I always know like that I'm sucked into something when I'm looking up like lore or I'm looking up. You know, or I'm just interested in the world that that this game is set in or, you know, for Persona 5, for example, I was like in, like obsessed with like the fashion and like the vibe and the art style of it. I was thinking about it all the time. Like I even found myself like dressing like Persona characters. Oh, my gosh. Just in real life, like unconsciously, because I was thinking about that, like the mood of the game, like so much. Um yeah, like with God of War, I spend all my spare time basically like watching YouTube videos on Norse mythology and reading books and sharpening you know, your axe, sharp, sharpening my axe, thinking about how how do I get chaos blades next. Um, but I, I'm not, and even like with Arceus, I was like, oh, I'm like so intrigued by this like ancient Japan, like that kind of stuff. Like that's a cool world. Like these like wooden pokeballs are so interesting. But there's nothing about this current like Scarlet Violet that I'm like doing that with. So that's what I, I think that's how I define like the sparkle, I guess for me personally, All right. but fair enough. I'll still play it. Like I still, when I, when I play it, it's so fun. So, well, let's move on to God of War then. Okay. This okay, game mild seems spoiler again, particularly right fraught regarding spoilers. Like anything you say could be considered a spoiler, especially yeah. when you're involved. So yeah, right yeah, another little five to 10 minute, Spoiler warning if you want to yes. uh, skip ahead here. Once more, no story spoilers, but we will talk gameplay. Um, now, um, you told me after we finished Pokemon that you said you might finish the game. Did you finish the game? I am on the last battle <sighs> as of last night. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm at Are you the sure? Door. Yes, I am. True form? True Final form. form? Yes. Okay. I'm at the precipice of doing... They already said the name of the game. Ragnarok is well, I say that a lot. No, but this is like it's happening now. All right. So I am I'm gonna finish it tonight. Um for sure. Um, wow. Yeah, no, it, it's it, what a ride. <laughs> so good. Um I've thoroughly enjoyed every second of, of this game. And again, I'm just totally pulled into this entire world of, of Norse mythology. What I really appreciate about this game, and we talked about this a little bit last week as well, is um, a little bit more so than the, the 2018 God of War game. This one just really feels like it is 
um, including like so many more characters from Norse mythology, you, you just have such a huge cast around, you know, Kratos and Atreus. Um, and I feel like there's so many different characters and their relationships and their backstory that you're getting to know throughout this game. And that's why I'm so into like the mythology part of it. Cause I'm like, Oh, what is, what does the actual myth say about this character? Or like, wh- how does this fit into the overall like stories from the actual mythology? Because this is like so much more than the last game. And I, I really like that about it. Yeah. Well, um, I'm at a point where I have uh, seen Asgard, which I don't think is that big of a spoiler because a lot of the characters they showed in the trailers are from Asgard. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that you would go there. We both had a similar reaction to that depiction of Asgard, which is, you know, where the capital G gods live Yeah, being a little bit different than maybe what we expected. It felt a bit more like, kind of a normal Viking like a little farming village. Viking village, yeah. <laughs> versus like, we, you know, the Marvel movies, I, I think, are the other main depiction people have right. seen of Asgard where it's like, it's like massive, you know, buildings palatial. and palatial marble yeah. everywhere, gold and gold leaf and all. And there's, there's really none of that. It's very like just yeah. wood and, and homey. And um, that's interesting. I, I wonder, you know, where you know, what, what that means for the characters. I'm, I, there's still characters that I'm learning about in Asgard. Um, and I imagine will play a bigger part. Um, I also just got uh, a new weapon. So that was something that I really wanted you to get to so we can talk about it because oh. I was super shocked that sort of mid game, you would get a surprise of a new weapon and this, surpri- right. that kind of surprise was like really cool like it just felt like something that um, it was really unexpected, you know. Like you kind of have your move set down for your Leviathan axe and your Chaos blades. You're pretty good at switching between the two, and then like all of a sudden they introduce this new thing that changes the gameplay and even the puzzles and all that stuff. Like immediately, and you're like, "Oh my gosh!" Like I did not expect this at all, and I love it. It's so cool. Yeah, it's a cool weapon, um, and it makes sense for you know Kratos' background. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and it does solve. There were some things I had seen in the environment. I'm like, well, what do I do with this? Yeah, and yeah, this is like this is what I do with before. it. Right, um, right. So now I know. So I'm excited about that. I'm sure there'll be some enemies where you need to really focus on that. Mm-hmm. I, yep. I do still have the feeling like the game has a bit too much like weighing it down in the menus of like Mm -hmm. augment this or level up this now you need so many socket this and it's like none of it feels super consequential like it's like making me like definitively more powerful right um but it's something you got to do so I'm, i'm like mildly paying attention to it right um and it's also you know like the kind of revolving door of like side people going along with you, which I actually don't mind. I, I, like I that. really that, like that. Actually. That's fun to get sort of different takes dialogue. on the story and dialogue options. Mm-hmm. Um, since last week, you know, at last I sort of griped that it had been getting a little too story heavy and not yeah. enough gameplay. Not enough action. The, the stretch I've played since then has had a, a much better balance. I think from now on, it's only, it's that same balance. The, the only part that was just like a story dump was that part that we both played um, uh, with Atreus. I think we yeah. both kind of felt like, oh, this is kind of dragging yeah, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. There was also a big um, thing about this, this prophecy that is sort of driving this game where Freya, who's one of the characters, kind of gave Kratos like a different view on that. 
which I had not considered, which I thought was um, very interesting and could lead to a lot of different story twists. I, I'm scared. Bite your tongue. I know. I just, so many games made me cry this year. I'm like emotionally fragile right now. So I just want to cry again. Um, But I feel scared. Um, Yeah. Getting to the end, there's some there's some additional story twists, gasp worthy moments that I did not see coming that you'll oh, see. Gasp worthy. Yeah. I had one last night where I literally dropped my controller because I was like, oh my God, I did not expect that to happen. And um it was it was definitely like a big moment in the story, a big turning point for characters. Um, so that was interesting. Um yeah, I think uh you know, sort of back to just like the characters a little bit more. Like it's kind of interesting the way that they depict the characters, like especially like the like the what is it, the Acer gods they call it? Like the main gods, like Odin yeah. and them, right? It's like they they could have been done it like two ways. Like one way would would have been like sort of the um like we're above it all, like kind of the pantheon of gods, like kind of what how you kind of see like Zeus or like the Greek gods, but they do it in a very humble way. Like they have them in these like lodges, like you were saying. And like, when you hear their dialogue, like between like Thor and some of the other characters, it's very much like, um, you know, family issues, like relationship things. Like he talks to his wife and they like fight about normal, like, you know, husband, wife stuff or like his daughter, like, you know, it's just, it's so interesting. Um, the sort of almost like the human quality that they gave to these quote unquote gods. And I think it makes it a lot more relatable as well, because if they were just like these almighty gods that, that just, you know, can't do anything bad or good, or you kind of don't care about them, then it would be a different story altogether. But, um, so I really, again, I really, really like that. And even like, as you kind of build the cast of characters around Kratos, um, and Atreus, like you kind of get these dynamics of like family stuff. Like um, it's, it's so like, it's almost like a soap opera or like a reality TV show versus it being like this game about like gods and, you know, like um, action or whatever. So I found that to be like pretty, pretty interesting. And I, I, it's really like sucked me into like, you know, again, learning more about the mythology part of it. Cause I'm like, is this actually how, plays out or is it more so like you know what we traditionally imagine as like um myths about gods and, and things like that also in my game there's the the character tear who you find early on yeah who i've i've been wondering what they're going to do with him yeah and it's just kind of been left hanging for a long time mm-hmm. so the suspense is building of what he will eventually become my guess is you end up he, he ends up I think you probably end up fighting him. I don't know. I'm not looking at your face even right now because you're going to give it away. Um, we need to move on before we completely spoil this. The good thing is you're going to finish the game and you have like a half dozen games you're already playing. Yes. And you're adding another. Finding Paradise. Please tell us about this. Yeah. Speaking of like, I don't want to cry anymore because I'm oh boy. <laughs> tired of crying. We got a code for Finding Paradise. And in the message that we got from the person that sent over the code was like, try not to cry. I'm like, what does this mean? Um, so the game is actually really cool. I just started it. I played a little bit last night after I wrapped up playing um, God of War just to see um, what it was like. And 
Um, I, I've been hearing some really good things about this game as well, but um, I guess the best way I can describe it is it almost has sort of like an earthbound quality to it. Oh, interesting. Um, it's like sort of like the top-down um, art style, like pixel art style. It, it has very, from what I've played, I've only played for like an hour, if, if not, if, if even that, um, but it has very like, sweet um and almost like a reverent uh, funny dialogue um and what i've gathered so far is you are two doctors you play as a pair of doctors and you are um going to places to give someone who is on their deathbed um their last dying wish and they have this machine, like a box, that they're carrying with them. So I'm, I wonder what this means. Um, so I and, and uh, the person that I've um, just met is um, the wife of the the person who's dying, and um, I'm about to meet the person who I'm supposed to be granting their last wish to. And um, there's a lot of depictions in this game about like with like airplanes. So I think there's something to do with airplanes. Um, Apparently, this person uh, is a retired pilot, so perhaps there is some gameplay involving like flight or or something um, that will come later once I get into like more of that. But I'm really interested, and like it seems like a really sweet game and um, a really interesting concept. So, so yeah, I'm gonna definitely um, keep poking around with this. But so far, oh. um, very good, very like cool art style. Um, cool vibe. Uh, yeah, I like it so far. Yeah, there were a lot of people in our Discord who were looking forward to this. Yeah. Um, so I was definitely curious about it. And we have more codes that we're going to be giving away. So who knows? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We have codes. I'll keep playing. Um, but yeah, I'll let you guys know if it gets really sad. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a, sounds like it a will. sad premise. Oh, boy. But, um, but maybe also like in a in like a hopeful kind of way. Uplifting hopeful. way. Yeah, yes. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> um, that's the games we're playing. We move on to the news here. Um, last week, I made a pre- you can call me Kit Stradamus because I said oh. I was waiting for the for press release, release announcing that Pokemon had broken all the sales records. I know. Well, you that happened str- right on, and that was like something that came out like right when you were thinking it would, which is right around like the Black Friday timing, yeah. which is very typical for. Um, Pokemon company to do. Um, so, so we got similar announcements for Pokemon and God of War. Yeah. So let's go through both of these for, for Pokemon. Uh, the game sold over 10 million copies in three days, including 4 million in Japan. Wow. Yes. Biggest Pokemon Incredible. launch ever. Biggest switch launch ever. Biggest Nintendo launch ever. And the biggest console exclusive launch of all time. Oh, that's um, incredible. So that's big. God of War um, seemed impressive at the time. They went first. Yeah, they went first. Um, they got dwarfed a little bit, but they had 5.1 million copies sold uh, in the first week. Mm-hmm. It was the fastest selling first party PlayStation launch game, and it set a God of War franchise record, obviously. Yeah, that's um, Yeah. It's great to see these games do well. It really is. Yeah, it really is great to see, like, great games people still interested in playing games and it still sells that's great i mean i think the god of war sales is pretty typical because there's just the 
amount of people with a Nintendo Switch is like so exponentially more than yeah. the amount of people with PS5s or, or and, whatever. So. And like, let's be honest, like the amount of first party games that Sony releases is so much less than what Nintendo releases. Exactly. There's like this built up demand where, yeah, that would be interesting if somebody did like, you know, a percentage of the total user base of both mm-hmm. of those platforms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're both incredibly strong that on Pokemon, you know, we kind of hinted at this last week, like, what does this mean for the overall debate of like the quality of the games and yeah. will, they, will they learn a lesson of people being mad about this and, and change it? I don't know. But again, we had a feeling that this was something they were, they were going to have to reckon with of this, this like conflicting feedback of like these people say they hate the game and they say it doesn't work, but you just sold 10 million copies in three days. That's the thing though, too. It's like, I, I think it's, it's a game deserving of, like high sales like this, like it, I'm not surprised by just the amount that they've sold, but it's a little concerning that it's like this game clearly has some like pretty glaring performance issues, but like, do you do anything about it now? You as in the Pokemon company or the development team, because the game sells so well, like, does it matter? Um, it doesn't seem to hinder the, anybody's you know motivation or want to purchase this game so what does it mean for this franchise overall Uh, and you know we also talked a little bit about like do they want to take a little bit of a break so they can reset the series a little bit and, and kind of work through some of these um these things that that have you know really gotten a little bit worse um throughout the years and kind of it's hard to take a break when you break these crazy records and you make like a lot of money, you know, right. like it's going to, going to be hard to justify like taking that break or, or doing a, a reset. Um, yeah. So I, I think that that's a tough spot to sort of be in, you know, the other thing that's different between these games is, you know, I'm sure God of War cost just oh orders of magnitude more to make than Pokemon did. Totally. And, you know, we've seen, Sony continue to find ways to like make money off of these big games, even though they seem to be successful. So if you sold 5 million copies and they each cost like what, 60, 70, that's like 35 or 350 mm-hmm. million dollars that you're making right that's there. Quick math right there. I'm sure the game will come to PC eventually. They have a pretty good formula in place for that. That seems to be working really well. So they should keep following that. Right. I wonder though, like what, what, it just seems like the bar is so high for what these games have to sell mm-hmm. in order to like not ruin Sony. Yeah. The pressure must be so high. If you were in charge of one of these games, I would be really freaked out. That's true. Like the pressure for these two games could not be more different. Right. Know? Like if you're working on God of War, like the expectation is that you single-handedly have to like save Sony from some sort of like, money problem, whatever. Um, and your game has to be a blockbuster. Like the pressure of that is insurmountable. And then you can kind of like have a Pokemon game that has issues. Um, and kind of, I don't know, it feels like easy. Like you're like, Oh, 10 million units sold. Like, you know, the game costs the same as God of War. If God of War had these kinds of glaring performance issues, like what would the perception be? What would people's reactions be to that game versus it 
being a Pokemon game that had the same performance issues and then sold 10 million copies. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's kind of almost like it's a little bit unfair, you know, like you're, you're being held to like such different standards, but it's like, yeah, it, it, it kind of sucks, you know, honestly for like the God of War team, because their standards are so, so much higher than a Pokemon game. And then they sell, they don't even sell like half the amount that the Pokemon game sells, you know? One, one last thought on Pokemon is, you know, this is the benefit. It's like, yes, I think we all agree that the Switch is, you know, coming down on its life cycle curve. But right. this is the benefit of having a, a huge long. install base that is still very engaged with the hardware. Right. You know, a lot of times you can have a hardware that people have bought a lot of, but they've given up on. Like the Wii, people gave up on the Wii in the second half. That, that honestly happened with the 3DS too. Like we ended up selling a lot, but they weren't very engaged. We saw data on that. The Switch, like based on how frequently games keep coming out, like this is the result. You can, you can keep like Animal Crossing breaks records, Splatoon breaks records, now Pokemon mm-hmm. breaks records. It's like, yeah, nobody needs to like, you know, cry a tear for Nintendo because like, oh no, the Switch is declining. It's like, well, they just broke every record possible. Exactly. So th- this is how it can work if you manage your life cycle right. Yeah. And it's all, all about like that thing of, of like it needs the life cycles need to be like lengthened. Like we can't be on this like short life cycle because yeah. it's just it's too hard to like recapture your in, quote unquote install base or whatever. Um, and yeah, I think Nintendo did a fantastic job, you know, with doing just that, like planning out when things are getting released and extending the life cycle of Switch so that it does kind of keep people's interest like in the late stages um so yeah we'll see if like that ever happens with sony or microsoft i think it's very difficult for them because their hardware proposition is based on performance and like hardware specs and that can get outdated very quickly and you maybe cannot have like the same hardware for seven plus years and have it be relevant um so it, it is like a very smart move by Nintendo to never play that like graphics game because they can do things like this and have a crazy high install base. And then they can have a game that is like subpar, break ridiculous sales records and make them a boatload of money. So good for them. These yeah. games cost the same. So it's pretty Our- amazing. Uh, last story is more about the Microsoft Activision <gasps> merger, which... Yeah is the, the story that keeps on giving. Um, when do, This has been going on for months now. It really has. And, you know, I, I say I'm getting tired of it, but the more that comes out, it's always very intriguing to see. It is. And it's like so, a new little wrinkle into like the crazy. Like what is Yeah. Happening? So there's two things that have happened. Um, there was a story that the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, is potentially going to prepare an antitrust lawsuit to try and block this. Right. And apparently there's already something underway in Europe. Um, I am not a uh, antitrust lawyer, but this seems bad. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to get on the FTC's radar. That doesn't sound. Yeah. And I, I don't really understand what their criteria are for what is and isn't a antitrust issue yeah because it seems like there's a lot of cases where it's like oh it could have gone either way but they opted this way um this is obviously on their radar so obviously nothing has happened yet in the u.s but people are anticipating this to come 
I wonder what Microsoft internally, when they went, went through with this, like what, what is our, our success rate? Like what are we, is it 60%, 70%? Mm-hmm. I'm sure to make it worthy, I'm sure they knew there try. might be people complaining about this. Right. Yeah. Do yeah. they have some sort of analysis that they've done? That's like, right. it's worth, it's worth it to try, even if we feel like it could fall through or yeah. it could be blocked. Even by if the it's FTC. a year of pain of trying to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, it means that yeah. we must really want it. <laughs> and then the other side of this is, you know, I got to give Sony credit for really like emptying the clip on everything they got and throwing everybody under the bus to try to stop this from happening. Oh my gosh, seriously. Um, right? So there's been some new stuff from filings from Sony's perspective. Uh, the first is, you know, they were like, yeah, we'll still have Battlefield, but the Battlefield franchise can't keep up with Call of Duty. Right. Um. Uh, I'd like to bring in the CEO of EA right now. <laughs> He's quite unhappy. <laughs> Please take the floor, sir. <laughs> and, and again, I wonder what kind of internal calculus went into like, yeah, EA is going to be mad and they're going to yell at us, but we need we to put care. this out there to try and yeah. stop this because Call of Duty is that important to us. Right, right. Exactly. That seems like just like a lose-lose situation though. You're just like, what is that phrase? Robbing Peter to pay Paul or sure, sure. Something like that. Like, it's like you just kind of, you're like on borrowed time almost with like goodwill, you know? I mean, with us, it was always like, never do something to aggravate a a third party party. Exactly. Just don't do it. And this is like such the opposite of like, we're just setting it all on fire to try and stop this. Exactly. But again, it's like, it it kind of shows you the desperation around it too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then the other part of this, this is a claim they made, which this is a bit of a stretch. This is such a stretch. Microsoft argues. So basically they're saying that they're going to be in a Nintendo-like position. Right. Microsoft is trying to turn Sony into something like Nintendo um, by making this acquisition where I honestly don't entirely know what that means. Like they're going to have to rely on- A highly successful company? That would be nice. Is it more so reliant on their own first party content? Is that what it is? Well, I think it means that they're more differentiated on like all ages content and they would have this hole in their mature offering um, and that they are, and that Microsoft is trying to have a monopoly with this mature type with of shooter. mature audience. I don't know. I think this is kind of a stretch. This is a weird claim. It's like- don't tell them that this is like a benefit to them when they clearly hate it. Right. And they don't want it, you know? Um, if you're desperate, though, you can cook up all sorts of stuff. Well, you just lie. That's one thing yeah. you can do. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, these these things, I, I really enjoy the Sony ones because sometimes they make a good point. Sometimes they don't. Again, sometimes they're burning a bridge to make a good point. It's yeah, always, that's it's the always thing. Yeah, you, you don't know. Like, right, later right. on, you might need that EA bridge that you've totally torched, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Probably will, honestly. So My not gosh. the best strategy. Uh, all right. We are on to our questions every week. We only take questions from our Patreon subscribers. And we also mm-hmm. do a weekly bonus Q&A, which has about a dozen extra questions, which are too hot for us to answer here. Here is an example of a bonus Q&A question that we answered recently uh, from Wario Tush. I love that name. What was Nintendo's internal response to the retweet the Toad campaign? Um, We cannot tell you here. We have answered this question in the bonus Q&A. If that interests you, head on over to patreon.com slash kittenkrista. Yes. Uh, We are doing a smaller 
um, mail section today yes. because uh, I'm about to lose my voice. I know. So, Krista, voice. please, please take it away. I'll take it away, and hopefully, you can just grunt an answer. Here we go. <sighs> First question from Gulio. You see how long this is? This is from when people were doing Halloween names. Oh boy! Yeah, so, we have a lot of questions. We no question. Oh, be or hold on to every question. Every That's question right. has its moment. It has its moment to shine. Okay. Is Nintendogs a dead franchise? I remember it being a top-selling game for the DS, so it's strange that they haven't made a new entry for the Switch. What do you think can be done to to reinvigorate interest in the series? Oh yeah, Nintendogs. You were never a huge Nintendogs fan, I I remember. Um, I mean, I played both of them. Mm-hmm. The first Nintendogs was such a huge hit. Yeah. Um, the second one really wasn't. And I think a lot of that was due to like mobile games took a bite out of this. Um, and I, I do, I don't know how you make Nintendogs a relevant franchise again. That's true. I was going to say it's sort of a moment in time where those kinds of live simmy kind of games was very popular. Um, and, and the DS was obviously perfect for that with the touch screen and, um, yeah, it, it does seem like it's a moment that maybe has passed and, and a, a trend in gaming that has passed. Um, it kind of reminds me of like the old, you know, Tamagotchi days where you kind of have had that thing where you wanted to like take care of like your electronic pet, you know, but it's not something that is as, I think, sustainable as a, of a franchise um, yeah. these days. You almost might need to make it more gamey. Yeah. It was like, it was kind of a non-game to begin with. Right. right. And I think the non-games, you know, live on on phones. Maybe you go in a different direction and make it, give it more game elements. I don't know. Yeah. But it's it, tough it, though. I think, I think that basically changes it from Nintendogs to something entirely different. And is, at that point, is it still Nintendogs, well, you know? There's a reason we haven't seen it since. Exactly. I think the moment has passed, unfortunately. I, do, I did love the series though. And I, I loved my Nintendog. So cute. Plus cats. Plus cats. Don't forget. Plus cats. I love I love how the, the game Origins was like, Mr. Miyamoto got a dog. So we're making this game about dogs. And sure. we're going to market this game about dogs. And we're like, all right, sounds good to us. Um, all right. <laughs> Next question from Wario Tush. Again, prolific. Prolific Bodhi contender Wario. Um, why doesn't Nintendo seem to want to acknowledge Mario Galaxy 2? Aside from being omitted from Mario 3D All-Stars, it didn't show up in any promotional materials from Mario's 35th anniversary. Oh, Mario Galaxy 2. There was a lot about the anniversary and 3D All-Stars that just didn't add up. Yeah. Like, we asked so many questions of, like, why is 3D All-Stars going off sale after a year? Why is this Mm -hmm. game not included? And we got answers, but the answers just didn't make any sense. Well, because it was really a non-answer. It was like, this is only for promotional purposes, you know, 3D All-Stars. Um, and I was like, but if you already have it, why not just keep selling it? It's like, no, we wanted to live in a moment in time for the anniversary. I will say the anniversary also was during COVID. Um, and that really put a damper on, I actually was leading marketing for the anniversary. And that really put a damper on like what all the things we could do for the anniversary. And I think it was, it had meant to be this really big um, year of Mario, um, similar to what we did for Zelda's 25th anniversary, but it just never came to fruition because of the pandemic. 
Um, not to say that's the reason why Mario Galaxy 2 got omitted. I think there was a lot of like weird decisions that were made for what games were going to get the spotlight for um, the anniversary. And yeah, I think that there was a, a, a want to focus on the original Galaxy game versus Galaxy 2, which I think is a mistake because I actually like Galaxy 2 better. So I think Galaxy 2 is actually far superior. So yeah. Me too. Yeah. Let's, let's Yoshi people. Yoshi. Just that alone. My goodness. Makes it superior. Um, I know Galaxy 2 does not have like any sort of place right now um, in on the Switch, which is really sad. This next name, right. you're on your own with this name. I don't I don't know. I'm gonna say it's Pit Pitsy Pizikatoiv? Pizikatoiv or Pizikato Ive? <laughs> Again, a pronunciation <laughs> guide is always welcome. Is it something to do with pizza? Because if but it is, that's pizika. cool. It's Pizika Toev. All right. We're going to stop trying because probably butchering it. Um, hi, Kit and Krista. Many people look back fondly on the Wii era of Nintendo for expanding the user base of casual and first-time gamers. For me, a disabled gamer who learned the traditional controller one-handed, this was the darkest era because I simply couldn't play many games. For example, 3D Mario is my favorite series of all time. I still have never played uh, Super Mario Galaxy 2 because I can't do the waggle controls. Wii Classic controller support was really inconsistent at the time. It was so frustrating getting a game home only to be physically unable to play it. I was a Nintendo fanboy from the NES era, but at this time I checked out of Nintendo entirely um, until Switch. So here's the question. What is accessibility limitations known and discussed within Nintendo at the time? Did motion controls naturally lose their novelty within Nintendo? Or were those, these and other usability concerns part of their retirement? I was so fascinated by this question. Yeah. Because at Nintendo, you know, everybody was patting themselves on the back. Where it's like, oh, we solved accessibility. Exactly. I was going to say the mentality was like so much that of like this blanket um, sort of like feeling that accessibility means motion. Um, and clearly that, you know, that that's absolutely not always the case. And, and you have um, such a, a, a sad example here of not being able to play these games because of that. And I think that mentality was like never thought about um, within Nintendo because it was always like, oh, buttons are the problem. We need to come up with motion controls to yeah. make more people be able to play the games. I think it's a good reminder that there's not a one-size-fits-all solution for accessibility, which is yeah. you know where the Xbox adaptive controller deserves a lot of credit with how yes. customizable that is, mm -hmm. um, taking so many different things into account. Yeah, totally. And I will say that accessibility was never like unfortunately, and it was disappointing um, to me when I was at Nintendo, that was never like really top priority all the time at Nintendo. Um, and, you know, we, we would always look to Xbox, you know, for as, as sort of making a lot of strides in that area and wishing that Nintendo would do more in the, in the accessibility area. But um, I hope that changes, you know, I hope that they see the importance of that and, and the idea that they, you know, their own company mantra mantra of like making games um, for everyone and, and like their their silly little com company thing of like putting smiles on faces means that they need to be part of this um, 
conversation and, and actually take action on accessibility. But when we were there, that was certainly something that was never had, had never been like number yeah. one on the list, unfortunately, just really disappointing. All right. Next question from Patches. Hi, K&K. Uh, how complicated or stressful was it to plan for international travel when going on business trips to Japan? Did you have to apply for a work visa? How rigorous was Nintendo in regards to keeping up with everyone's passports and other documents? Well, we never needed a work visa because between the U.S. and Japan, and we, and we weren't going for that long. Right. You could just go. Uh, a lot of it was just up to you to like manage, like if your passport's expiring, you got to take care of that. If you need a passport, you got to get one. Um, there was so only so far that the company would go with some of that stuff. Yeah, that's true. And it wasn't super complicated. Um, booking international travel was done through like the same, um, you know, travel site that we used for regular, you know, domestic business trips. Um, and then we also had a pretty good like travel team and events team that would help us all the time. Like, with booking hotels or if there's a large group of people going to like the events team will get involved to help do like a group booking or something like that. But yeah, it's definitely up to you um, to keep your passport and documents up to date. And one thing that we both hated with like a passion is doing expense reports after a business trip. And the Japanese ones were really hard because all the money was in like yen. And you, look and at, you, you look at a receipt and like, what was this? I don't know. Well, I don't know. It's like everything's in Japanese. Exactly. And then like you had, you would use a lot of cash too in Japan, which is like weird. Um, and so you would have like all of these like random, like leftover coins um, that you have to like figure out how to maybe like get back to us dollars and stuff like that. But I was always, I always dreaded coming back from an international trip and doing an expense report. And a lot of times those trips were expensive. So you like really should do your expense report so you can get your money back. Cause it's a lot of it was on your personal credit card. So, um, but it's like such a chore and I was always like, Oh, I'm going to mess yeah. this up somehow. Or like, I'm going to be short. Um, it was the worst. I'm, I'm glad that I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> All right. I think um, we are going to save some of these questions for next week because your voice is maybe right. not able to even get. There's only the so much left. There's only so much left. And you still got to read a lot of names. Maybe oh I should boy. read all the names. Should I read all the names? No. Oh, okay. you cannot. All right. Well, how we dare you? To- I'm sorry. I'm just trying to help you. Um, we have come to our wonderful superstar shout out. Um, you want to go first? All right. Okay. Here we go. Aaron Hash. Ben Icorn. Maru Mayhem. Eigenverse. Jordan Collette. Kiss My Flapjack. Mike Chin. <laughs> Mr. Rogers. Paul Gale Network. Rain Tech. Roy Eschke. Simon Barrera. I'm going to say the next one because your voice can't take it. Okay. Switching it up. Underscore. Safazon. The Shark Among Men. The GM Life. Link, the Hero of Winds. Angela Bycroft. And her pig Molly. And Turbocharge Nerd. Woohoo! Hooray! I guess maybe I should have let you do switching it up underscore so you can use your deep 
voice to do the underscore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go do some right. throat singing when we're done. Uh, oh, yeah. that sounds lovely. Please record that for us. <laughs> um, all right. On to our one-up club graduation ceremony. I will start Aaron Burgundy. Adam Edwards. Jean Malari. Ale Alejandro. Alexandra Pratt. Astrodev. Bagel. Bookum Dano. Brad SF56. Bruce Dash. Chancellor Fairley. Christopher Lay. Cozy Tar. Captain Cinnamon Buns. Captain Alex. C. Roper 17. Daniel Cold. Daniel Valencia. Dachshund. Doodoo Face. Douglas Chomix. Dino Punch. Elite Peach. Espars 50. Esbrato. Fart Pre 69. Burbound. Fred Rossi. Gar. Garrett Hullfish. Ian Chia. Israel or Izzy. Jay Rando. Jabroni Jones. Jackie Z. JK99. JBJ. Jeff Yoakum. Jeffrey Hernandez. Jesse Hernandez. John Responte. Jonathan Rowe. Jordan Hemmerly. Joseph DeHaze. Joshua Clements. Judy Fruit. Just Camtro. Kai Comercio. Kawa2796. Kelpshake. Kevin Delane. Christopia Party with me. Kyle Gamer Barry Rookie. Kyle Kretzer. Kyle LaBeouf. Kyler Nelson. Linnell Stickman. Lego My Frago. Lemma. Lit. Lucas Pico. Mad Dog5981. Malfarink. Marky Man64. Matthew Rewald. Mecha Dragon 101. Megan. Michael Cravens. Mikey. Mr. Andy Pong. Murph. Mytran. Nazar. Nathan Burkhart. Panda Buns. Piano Psychopath. Prime Factor. Prince Charmless. P.S. Wee. Quinn Hardigan. Raver. Ray Charon. Ryuji Utsuho Oku. Renee Rivers. R.J. Kern. Rob Osborne. Rocks. Rianetta. Sam Newland. Sharif Jackson. Sheer Cold Vanille. Shinryu. Slowbro. Schmiggles. Silly Ferret. Spicy Munchkin. Steel Citrone. Teppo Lindbergh. Thomas Alvarez. Travis Torline. Troopage. Tugs Puppy Bear. Tyler Geis. Video Game Stupid. Beautiful Dandy. Virtual Bot. Wicked Davy. Will Ernst. Will Johnson, Sudaverf, Zalgaroff, and Zroid. Yay, you made it. You Zoid. didn't cough. <laughs> the throat singing. All right, don't forget to subscribe to our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Kit and Krista. Kit will be doing some exclusive throat singing there this week. So now it's Get in the better, holiday spirit with throat time singing, than everybody. Ever to, to join, apparently. Um, thank you so much for our existing Patreon subscribers for making all of this possible. We love you. Yay. If you're watching uh, this on video, please do us a favor and subscribe to our channel. If you are listening on audio, please leave a five-star review and leave a short written rating if you'd like. That would be great. That would be very helpful to us. We are also on some other social media channels. We're on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, 
obviously YouTube, um, and Facebook. So follow us there to be up to date on all of the, the stuff's happening. That's right. The Kit and Krista universe. All right. I think that's it. We made it. You made it. I did. Okay. We'll see you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye.